0: What in the world is up with the whars? After a month without a win, we look at where the warriors are going wrong and if they can turn things around. For that and everything else worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Just a quick warning. This series contains explicit language. Episode two, The Brother. G'day. All right,
2: here you go. All right. Shit, the cop's getting a bit scared if we know we got this sort of thing up here. Were they? We <laughs> oh, yeah. got our own squad.
1: <laughs> this is Des Thomas. And yep, he's a character.
2: Oh, yeah. you probably get promoted in the next Queen's birthday honours, eh, if you if you're a policeman. <laughs> No, you have to plant evidence to do
1: that, though. Des is connected with a notorious New Zealand murder case. Who killed Harvey and Jeanette Crew? A 48-year-old mystery, so famous there are numerous books and a movie about it. Come on, you old bugger.
3: What are you done with the bodies? Why would I want to murder
1: my own daughter? You tell me. So we've come to meet Des Thomas in Pukikawa, in the district.
2: People won't let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, you fucking live like that, eh? Just stood out like dogs' balls. Down down Alright, here you going. Howdy.
0: Everything's been covered up.
1: This is a Stuffed Circuit podcast called The District. A story about injustice, about a murder investigation that goes off the rails, about gossip and whispered accusations, but mostly a story about people, people who are trying to get on with their lives, but can't. This story is produced by Toby Longbottom and Paula Penfold, with field recording by Phil Johnson. I'm Eugene Bingham little <laughs> Thank you. Is the car okay there?
0: Absolutely fine. A bit
1: yeah. of a recap. Okay. Great. In episode one we introduced you to Lynette Stevens.
0: Would you like a coffee us? or tea or something?
1: Her brother, oh, God, Murray Christensen, go. because he was a rat bag. was killed.
0: Murray was run over by the bulldozer.
1: A bulldozer driven by a guy called Carl
0: Lobb. Yeah. Yes, with a K. Carl.
1: Lynette was telling us how she discovered Carl Lobb had a connection to the crew murders. Carl
0: Lobb was a witness... In 1970, crew murders.
1: So she began looking at him very closely. And she found out that he was a secret witness for the police at the Royal Commission into the crew case. There's
0: just so much in there that shows. he's. Lying. She
1: believes he lied when giving evidence under oath.
0: And he's got caught out lying and nobody did anything about it. And it was a closed court hearing, so nobody would hear about it in New Zealand. It's just, you know, they just brush all the stuff under the carpet. And... And make out that someone like me is in a nut job, I suppose. <laughs>
1: but, yeah. Remember, Lynette discovered strange goings-on after the death of her brother. How the case against Carl collapsed. How it all just fizzled out and no one was held responsible. No
0: justice for Murray at all.
1: But I'm still struggling with why Lynette thinks the death of her brother in 2011 has anything to do with a double homicide way back in 1970. Can we just boil it down to how do you think what happened to Murray, and and not so much what happened, but what yep. happened yep. afterwards, how was that connected to the crew case?
0: Well, I think when the police got there, um, the senior police, uh, they were, the name Carl Lobb would have come up, that he had killed someone. And they thought, right, we've got to do something here to make this go away. We cannot have this guy before the courts.
1: Just a bit of background. When police spoke to Carl Lobb in 1970, he didn't remember anything useful, but 10 years later, he tells the police that he saw a car towing a trailer with what he thought were bodies under a cover. The car, he says, is like one belonging to a guy called Arthur Allen Thomas. So the police put him forward as a witness to the Royal Commission. His evidence is rubbished, but part of Lynette's theory is that the police continue to look after him all these years later. You know, you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours.
0: I believe, and I uh, I find it hard to get rid of these feelings, that they've all been in cahoots to make this all go away, to, to just make it all disappear so that nobody... And they must be so annoyed with us because we keep coming up with ways to um, throw a spanner in the works. And so they why just,
1: do you think they want it all to go away?
0: Because they don't want anyone to find out about... Um, Who really did kill the crews.
1: You think it's all tied up. I do. If there were some grand conspiracy to cover things up and make everything go away, there was a flaw in the plan.
0: No, I was uneasy right from the word go
1: No one counted on Lynette Stevens It
0: just doesn't seem right I, well, There were no, no witnesses in court right.
1: As you'll know by now, she was never going to go away He told me to watch what I wrote on Facebook And he, he just sat and there and blatantly and he lied.
0: lied And he even We just, just couldn't believe what came, what came out of his out. mouth he muttered and mumbled Roger and it was just sitting yeah. there looking at She's
1: him. tenacious and persistent She's not just a dog with a bone.
0: The whole case fell apart because it... She's a dog like
1: that, that goes around digging up old bones all around the neighbourhood. The,
0: the first day was an absolute shock Second. and a half. We no. were just absolutely flabbergasted. We just sat there like, what?
1: She seeks people out.
0: I've got a letter from Chris Finlayson.
1: Hunting down clues and finding ways to expose what she thinks is the truth.
0: And she just looked like an absolute liar in court. Right.
1: Which is why she ended up contacting Des, Des Thomas. Knows.
0: I rang Des. Des.
1: And why she ended up putting Des oh, Thomas... Oh, in touch with me. All
2: right, my name is Desmond Thomas and I live in Pukikawa. And um, the reason I'm fighting this is because uh, there's too many injustices in this country and this case is solvable and um, the police have to back down and admit they're wrong. There's been no apology to Arthur. And um, Arthur's your brother. Arthur Thomas, my brother.
1: You don't give up when you know the man is innocent. Des's brother, Arthur Alan Thomas, was convicted twice of the 1970 murders of Jeanette and Harvey Crewe.
0: Arthur is innocent. A royal
1: commission cleared his name in 1980. He was given a pardon and $1 million in compensation.
2: We should recommend to the Governor-General that he exercise the prerogative of mercy and pardon
1: Arthur Allen Thomas. Of the conviction of murdering Harvey and Jeanette Crewe. The Thomases are a large family, nine kids in all.
3: There was Ray and then, then Arthur.
2: Well, there was another okay. one youngest. in between, but. He died. He died.
3: Yeah. Okay, so then there was Arthur and then there was Rita, another girl, and then there was Lenny and then there was Richard and then Lewis, and then myself and then Lloyd and then Desmond. The baby. <laughs> See, the baby. <laughs> yeah. Look
1: at him. <laughs> I um, Still get told what to do. That's not quite true. You'll see that it's Dez Thomas who's driving this, and that's because he thinks the Thomas family name has never been cleared. And he believes that's because the police won't accept that Arthur is innocent, and Dez isn't the only one who thinks that. Right, we've Hi, we've
2: got um, Margaret there, my sister. Hi, and Hi Margaret. Buster. Hi. Oh, Nice meet
1: you. Hi, Buster. Good you to meet you. Eugene. Meet you. How are you? Hi. And hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. Buster, you are? You are Phil. Phil. Nice to meet you. Oh,
2: good. Good.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of firm country handshakes to get through. The introductions are as shambolic as the pile of gumboots and shoes at the front door. Dez has gathered his sister, Margaret Stuckey, and her husband, Buster Stuckey, to meet us. They've literally formed a justice league to fight this. And it feels like we've been summoned to a court hearing.
3: Yeah, put that there.
1: It's kind of a so, weird setup. The three of them on one side of the table, us four on the other. Loads of files in between no us. Well, we've got nothing high high eh, so you can record what you Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, exactly. Except this is a farmhouse, not a nope. courthouse. And, and um, nobody's shipped us up yet. So, Dez, you got in touch with us. Because there's some specific things that you've got concerns about.
2: Well, the actual never came off the Thomas trailer. It had nothing to do with uh, the, the bullets. Family. I can show you that the bullets from Arthur the the rifle didn't kill the crew.
3: And time. the ballistics
1: evidence shows that.
3: They've done.
2: taken more wire off Arthur's farm than anybody else's.
1: They launch into passionate arguments, presuming we know much more than we do. Because they live and breathe this.
2: I told him that you have to accept that Len Demler had a
1: 1422. Yeah. And he said, no, no, it was a 360-360. I said, no, it wasn't. Yep. I might be saying yes, yep, and yeah all the time, but it's only because I'm trying to keep up. Actually, it's pretty confusing and overwhelming. There's, there's a lot of detail to, for us to get our heads around, isn't there? OK, we've tried to keep that simple, though. Yep. It's not. Don't worry, I couldn't follow most of it either. To get our heads around everything. But what is immediately clear... Is their boiling frustration, the gnawing sense of injustice. And what I'm starting to realise is that what infuriates all of them the most, Des in particular, is the feeling they never get listened to. The, the police won't give you anything. You can hear it in the tone of his voice. He's incredulous that nobody else gets it. I proved the
2: bastards wrong, but I hadn't done much good. We want someone something. This thing could blow open because... The lies and all that here have been exposed. We just want some way to get it opened up.
0: Today on Newsable, are the wars in trouble? What the warriors need to do to get back on track after a month without any wins? Plus, the story of the Canterbury cocaine cartel and introducing the most boring man in the world. Could he be the cure to sleeplessness? For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Having sat through hours of these conversations, this is what I reckon you need to know of the case. Actually, it divides into two parts. Before the bodies were discovered, and afterwards. Don't worry, you don't need to write all this down or anything. But if you understand a bit of the story it will help you see how ordinary people become extraordinarily obsessed. Anyway, here's the before. Jeanette and Harvey Crew are farmers in Pukikawa in the district. They're murdered in their home sometime on a Wednesday night in June.
2: 1970, murdered, Harvey Crew.
1: It takes five days for them to be reported missing. Milk and bread deliveries pile up at the gate. The local stock truck driver, who's due to pick up sheep from the crew farm, can't get them on the phone. On the Monday afternoon,
2: The father of Jeanette called at the farm
1: to see... Jeanette's father, Len Demler, goes around and finds a gruesome scene.
2: Bloodstains on the floor were the first indications of a double murder. There
1: are no bodies, but there's blood everywhere, and signs of two lives abruptly ended cutlery and plates of leftover flounder still on the table. One of the most staggering things about the case is this. He finds abandoned, alone in the house, crying, Rochelle, the crew's 18-month-old daughter. The only
2: occupant was the 18-month-old daughter of the couple.
1: But strangely, he leaves her there while he goes to cancel the sheep truck and call the police. What's that about? And this. Had someone been feeding Rochelle for the five days she was alone in the house?
2: Evidence from a farm laborer working on the farm opposite of the crew property told of a woman. And a passerby mentioned she'd seen a child on the crew property. Between the dates of the alleged shooting and the discovery of the disappearance.
1: Believe it or not, there's still debate over that. But if she was fed, who by? Who
2: fed their baby daughter? They're
1: questions that still divide the district.
2: Logically, what do you think? Was Rochelle fed or not? Well,
1: so I feel like I'm being tested when they start to ask me must questions. Been, of
3: course oh, she must of course was. Had to
1: be. Five
3: <laughs> days and all those bottles and stuff <laughs> you know, that were left around the house. I mean yeah. it's yeah. pretty obvious that yeah. there was only one person that was in there feeding her. Yeah. Like it had to be a man because yeah. she <laughs> <because laughs> was leaving bottles all over the place. There wasn't yeah. anything tidy about it. Yeah. So. Yep,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. It's funny and friendly sitting around the table just chatting, and I wonder if I've left my journalistic hat at the door with my shoes for a while. He
2: mm-hmm. But I just
1: can't help getting drawn in. Because he knew that she'd
2: been taken care of.
1: We're talking about Jeanette Crewe's father, Len Demler. They reckon he knew who fed Rochelle or was somehow involved.
2: He was of course more into going back and, and cancelling the sheep truck. Yes. Mm.
1: Uh, yeah.
3: He was involved, that's why. Yeah. He, knew. Yeah. he knew that she was being fed. You wouldn't leave. Her in the house that there was obviously something going on, like <coughs> with all the bloodstains right, and all it that. A number of reasons. I mean, yeah, there yeah. could a yeah. freaky place to leave a yeah.
1: grandchild. Because yeah, he, he wouldn't have known, if, well, if he didn't know what was going on. Was this person who created all this blood still there? Yeah. Was, yeah. The, was he hiding somewhere? Was he, he hiding, hiding somewhere? Yeah. 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 God, you would have picked her
3: up smart of and got out of here. Yeah. Anybody would have done that. <laughs> Even if you, you
1: Len Demler's behaviour didn't go unnoticed by the police early on either. He was the initial suspect for a whole bunch of reasons, which seemed pretty valid. But then he was dropped as the suspect when the police attention switched to Arthur Allen Thomas. But Why? It's another stone in the Thomas family's shoes. And after 48 years, there are lots of stones. Okay, this is where we need to get to part two of the short history of the crew murders. The afterwards. After the bodies were found.
2: Two men in a boat spotted a body in the Waikato River.
1: Two months on from the discovery of that gruesome scene. Jeanette's body is fished out of the nearby Waikato River. It
2: was Jeanette Crewe.
1: Harvey's was is discovered a month later in the same river. And, like Jeanette...
2: Both victims had been shot through the head with a .22 calibre bullet.
1: Beneath Harvey's body, police divers find a trailer axle. Harvey Crew's body was apparently weighed down with an old axle. The axle will become a crucial bit of evidence. One that had belonged to Thomas's it father. It helps swing the whole focus of the inquiry when police come across a suggestion that the trailer axle came from a local farm belonging to Arthur Allen Thomas. Stubs that matched the axle were found in a tip on the accused farm. So that's the short version. Of course, there are so many other details. They accused us of doing fencing for the crews. That's
2: myself and Richard's... Uh, when you brother, look at uh, what Lovelock says about Vivian went to bed at 9 o'clock, so Arthur's talking... You know, at about
3: the, the end of our questioning, I thought this man's dangerous.
2: Uh, the, now, in order for him to do that, he's lied. And it's pro- I can prove
1: that. There's a lot to take in, and as we leave, I'm starting to feel a bit daunted by all I've got to catch up on. Over the next few months, I try to get up to speed, but it's a long and complicated process.
2: At one point, Buster
1: Stucky, the brother-in-law, rings to ask how I'm getting on. He's also yeah, given me a I mean, gentle hurry-along. Yeah, that's been the, the, the hold-up, is just trying to trying to figure things out. because He's the one who seems to have sense. the job of keeping me on track. As as yeah. But it gives me a chance to express my confusion, even if I am talking to someone who has been mired in confusion and frustration for 40-plus years. Just a warning, I was in a car at the time, so the sound quality is not the best. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, yeah, it's a conundrum. It really is difficult, because... As I say, it seems that so Len Dembler was the suspect early on, and there was good yeah. reason around that. And some of his behaviour was extremely odd, yeah. to say the and least. There was blood in his car. Yeah, and then the way that he, you know, the the, the it was reported with him, um, you know, going away and leaving Rochelle there, even after he discovered her and things. Think, it, you know, it, yeah. just, it just some of his behaviour was very odd, to say the least. We'll just leave it there. So, so he was the suspect. But then, suddenly, he was dropped, attention turns to Arthur, and then from then on, for the next 40 years, every answer just comes back from the, from the police to the Thomas family. And I just, I don't know, I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see where you are. Yeah. Howdy. How, are you? how are you going, Des? Eugene. Yeah, good, how are you going? I'm all right, yourself? Good, yeah. Good. I I spoke to Buster yesterday, to tell you. Yesterday? Yeah, I spoke. Buster rang just to see what I was up to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Give, me, give, me, give me a hurry, line, I think, which is good. <laughs> uh, Over the months, Dez and I have um, dozens of phone yeah, calls no, like I this. They all start the same. Howdy! Hey, Dez, how are you? Howdy! 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 How are how you? Right, how are you doing? Right, what? how you going? Right. How, are you, going?
2: how, are you, going? how are you going? Right, how you going? How
1: Yep. All right. Hey Dez, how are you? Right, well, how
2: are you going? I'm alright. I don't want
1: to say too much on the phone. Those
2: glasses yeah. have been
1: just to us. Okay, yep, yeah. alright. No, that's alright. We talk about the case, but other things come up too. And, um, that was sad about Pat Booth? Yeah, yeah. Pat Booth was an investigative journalist who worked on the story in the 1970s. He's just died. Did you go to the funeral? No, I didn't get there, but uh, Arthur went. Yeah, I heard that Arthur was there, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did no, I wasn't there, but yeah, no, obviously a great man and did, did amazing work, so um a lot of respect for him. But um, yeah, I heard, I heard that... I heard Some that, of Pat um, Booth's best work was uncovering was police was corruption either. in the case yeah. against Arthur Thomas. I,
0: I mean, I had as close an overview of the case as anybody, I suppose, and... It's one of the reasons the case
1: past, is famous. The killer bit of evidence against Arthur Thomas was a twenty-two cartridge found in a garden outside the crew's kitchen window. The cartridge came from Arthur's gun, but Pat Booth revealed police had planted the 22 cartridge. But it seems to me that if the cartridge case evidence can be faulted, uh, then a considerable amount of the other evidence must come up for close scrutiny as well. It's the main reason Arthur Thomas was pardoned.
3: This man is really innocent.
2: Mr. McNabb, the registrar, Court of Appeal Wellington, confirmed that Thomas's. Uh, conviction had been
1: quashed. To the family and to lots of other people it also meant something else. The murder weapon must still be out there. Somewhere. That's next time on The District. The District is a Stuffed Circuit podcast series written and produced by Toby Longbottom, Paula Penfold and me. Toby also edits the series. Phil Johnson and I recorded the sound Blame me for the dodgier bits. The final sound mix was provided by David Liversich at Radiate Sound. Archival sound recordings from the RNZ collection at Na Taonga Sound and Vision. And our music is from Audio Network. Mark Stevens, Patrick Crudson, and Keith Lynch are the executive producers. We had digital help from Suyun Son and Alex Liu. You can find out more about the podcast series and the characters in this story over at stuff.co.nz. Have a look at the website where you can find extras, including some wonderful archival photographs. Oh yeah, and some recipes. We spent so much time in farmhouse kitchens, we thought we should share the love. I'm Eugene Bingham. Thanks for listening.